engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hello, friends. Pro-life leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America. Tonight, I want to give you a scriptural, spiritual exhortation and teaching about something that is common to all of us, especially at this time in our history in America and with these enemies that we're facing, and that is anger. What do we do with it? How do we deal with it? How do we present, prevent ourselves from, from just being consumed by, by rage? And is it right to feel anger? Is it good? What do we do with it? How do we make sure it doesn't control us? What does it have to do with uh, our, our work to save America and our relationship with God in the process? So we're going to look at all of that. It's a, it's, a, it's a topic I commented on recently on Right Side Broadcasting Network when we were at the Turning Point USA Action Conference. And I know from popular demand and from the response that I get from all of you that even though it's a topic we've discussed before, it's one that uh, is very much appreciated when we re whenever we return to it. So that's what we're going to do today. Let's begin, as we always do, with a scripture that is pertinent to this theme from Matthew 21, starting with verse 12, and then we'll go into our teaching in more detail. I appreciate you being with me. Leave your prayer uh, intentions in the comments as we uh, move forward, so that as we pray for America, we can pray for one another as well. Let's begin, Matthew 21, verse 12. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we address you as Master and Lord, Savior of all. And we see, Lord Jesus, that you became angry. You became angry when you saw injustice, when you saw blasphemy, when you saw a disfiguring of the plan of the Father, when you saw your divine plan being violated by our selfishness, by our greed, by our lust for power and possessions. Lord Jesus, teach us how to handle anger. Teach us when to be angry, when not to be angry, and how to channel that anger under the inspiration of your Spirit to do good and to accomplish progress for your kingdom and progress for justice. Guide us, Lord. Give us discernment. We know that we can trust you. We know that your word is a lamp for our feet and a light to our path. We know that you are our teacher. Teach us when it comes to this, because we know, Lord, we have many things to be angry about. Just as you were justly angered by the misuse of the temple, so we are justly angered by the misuse of freedom, the misuse of America. Bless us. Guide us in these times and help us to guide and encourage one another, you who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Well, we know Scripture says there is a time for everything. And friends, there is a time 
for anger. We have reached, I am convinced, the flipping over the tables moment in America. It's gotten bad enough. If there were ever reason to be angry, we've got it now. We've got multiple reasons. And we have to understand how to deal with this. Let's look at a couple of other scriptural examples of Jesus' anger, because this is going to put in context everything we're going to to say here. And, and, And let me provide you these scriptures on the board, too. We started out with Matthew 21, starting with verse 12 and following. Now we're going to go to Matthew 23, and there's a lot in there, actually, that we can touch on. Well, Matthew 23, really the whole chapter, and, uh, but then I want to look at the parallel chapter in uh, Luke's Gospel, and that would come in chapter 11, starting with verse 37, yes. Let me go there. And uh, in Luke's Gospel, we see Jesus getting angry at the uh, scribes and Pharisees, calling them hypocrites. Let's read here. uh, While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him... Now, keep in mind the context. He's a guest in his home, and he insults him. Now you Pharisees! Cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Do not, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees! For you tithe mint and rue and every herb, and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees! For you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you! For you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us too. And he said, Woe to you lawyers also! For you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers Woe to you. And then he goes on. His anger is very specific. He calls names. He calls out the vices of the people he's talking to. And he does this not simply to criticize them. He does this to call them to reform and to warn them of the dangers of what they're doing. That's Luke chapter 11. And now, let's go look also at Matthew chapter 18, when Jesus is talking about the children. He gets pretty angry here, too. first six verses of the chapter say this. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to himself a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you change and become like children, You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, 
It would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Jesus isn't always nice. Remember when he said, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say Jeremiah, Elijah, John the Baptist, or one of the prophets. For people to confuse Jesus Christ with John the Baptist, who spoke about the brood of vipers calling them to repentance and cried out against Herod so so strongly that he ended up having his head chopped off because he was telling him that what he was doing with taking his brother's wife was wrong. Or Jeremiah, who got thrown into a cistern because he was calling the the people traitors. Uh, Well, they were calling him a traitor, of course, because they thought he was working for the Babylonians, but he was saying to the people, you're bringing this on yourself, this impending exile, because you're breaking the covenant. Or Elijah the prophets who slew the prophets of Baal when they refused to acknowledge the Lord. Friends, for people to confuse Jesus with them or to think that Jesus was one of these prophets come back from the dead? Jesus had to be a pretty tough character. So, anger is part of that. Now, we go to Mark chapter 3. I'm just going to give you a few other illustrations, then we're going to draw out some lessons. In Mark chapter 3, we have, uh, uh, starting in uh, the first uh, verse, and let me put the reference down here, Mark 3. Again, 1 to 6. Let's see what we find here. Jesus entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched him to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hands were restored. Jesus was angry at these people. They were, they, 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 just like he, for the same reason he was angry at the Pharisees, they didn't have their priorities straight. You're worried that I'm going to heal this man on the Sabbath, and you're not worried about healing the man? They had their priorities all mixed up. They were paying attention to small things and ignoring the bigger things. Finally, in a passage that we often do not associate with anger, Jesus raises his friend Lazarus from the dead. But before he raises him, he's angry. In fact, you could say that his raising of Lazarus, on a human level that is now, comes about not only because of his compassion for Martha and Mary, his sisters, Lazarus' sisters, but also on a human level as a response to his anger at the power of death. Let's start in John 11 with verse 32. So John 11, 32 and following, we read, 
Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would never have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And then you have the shortest verse of the Bible. Jesus wept. Then a little bit later, Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. And of course, you know what happened after that. But I want to focus on this deeply moved. In the original Greek of the New Testament, it says, He snorted in spirit. He was angry at the destructive power of death, not only taking away his friend, but causing this grief. He saw... Mary weeping and Martha weeping and all the friends of Lazarus weeping and he himself wept because death was not part of God's original plan. God created all beings that they might live, not that they might die, not that they might decay in the ground. Jesus is angry and he takes out his anger against the power of death, raising Lazarus from the dead. Well, let's draw out a few lessons here about anger because obviously what's good enough for the Son of God is good enough for us. All right. But what does he teach us? First of all, brothers and sisters, anger, lesson number one, anger in and of itself is neither good nor bad. It's neutral. It's one of our passions. It's energy. It's one of our passions. It's part of being human. It's energy. Whether it's good or bad depends on what we're getting angry about and what we do with that anger or what that anger does to us. It's neither good nor bad. And therefore, do not suppress it. You and I are human. We're not stones. We're going to feel anger. We're going to feel a lot of things. We're going to feel attracted to people. We're going to feel joyful at times. We're going to feel... We feel a lot of things. The path, the correct path forward in life is not to deny these feelings, hide them, or try to make them disappear, because then we're suppressing an aspect of our very humanity. We're not going to be like stones. We're not stoics. So anger in itself, you've got to acknowledge that it's there. It's neither good nor bad in and of itself. It all depends on what happens next. And part of what happens next, or what happens in the process, of being angry is that you gotta be angry at the right things. Notice what, what Jesus was angry about. He was angry at the right things. Don't turn my father's house, which is a house of prayer, into a den of thieves. Don't be focused on tiny little minuscule uh, 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 rituals, Pharisees while ignoring justice and mercy and the love of God. 
Don't neglect this man here who needs healing. What should be more important to you is that he needs healing rather than, I'm going to work, rather than that I'm going to heal him on the Sabbath. He was angry at the right things, focusing on what is good and true and right and what helps other people. So we need to be angry at the right things, not at selfish things. Oh, that person cut me off in traffic. Well, we're going to be angry, and yeah, what they're doing is wrong, but... We're not going to let that turn us against people. Be angry at the right things. And then thirdly, notice, as with Jesus, so must it be with us. We have to maintain control. Keep control. Don't let anger bring you out of control. I think of Jesus in the garden to bring up another scripture. John chapter 18, you know, he came into the garden to pray, and then the soldiers came with lanterns, torches, and weapons to arrest him. And he said, whom are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And then he told them, I am, invoking the very name of God for himself, I am. And it says that the soldiers, they were armed, he was unarmed. They retreated and fell to the ground. We shouldn't miss that little detail. And then when we read in uh, Matthew, you know, after the, uh, uh, after the servant's ear was, uh, the servant of the high priest's ear was cut off, um, Jesus healed the ear. He said, put the sword back. And then he said, don't you think I can call on my father at a moment's notice and he can send more than 12 legions of angels? What does this tell us? He was in control at all times. When he was angry, he was constantly in control. He didn't let the anger control him. We have to control it. That doesn't mean we snuff it out. That means we use it because it's energy and we can direct that energy to what is good. And that is point number four. We submit after we realize we have the anger we, we don't suppress it. We know it's directed at the right thing. We keep control. We take that anger. Submit. Sorry. Submit anger to the Holy Spirit. What does Paul say to, to the Ephesians? Be angry, but do not sin. Be angry, but do not sin. Submit the anger to the Holy Spirit to direct your energy to do good. You know, I think about this in terms of elections. What gets a lot of voters up out of their seats and out of their houses gets them out to register and gets them to the voting booth to vote no matter what obstacles there might be in the way or no matter how long the lines might be. Anger. Anger is a very strong motivating factor. And if it leads somebody to get registered and to go vote, or to even do more than that, maybe pound the pavement for a candidate of your choice and knock on doors and get other people to vote, you're directing your energy to doing good. That's what it's meant to accomplish. That's why God allows us to have these passions. Because He wants us to direct our energy to doing good. 
Brothers and sisters, when I, as I often do, pray outside of an abortion facility, I've done that with some of you, many of you are involved in the pro-life movement, we go to these places where babies are killed, and, that, and if that, listen, if that doesn't make you angry, then you have to get in touch with both your own humanity and also with what's going on with all this baby killing going on with abortion. You see, when you stand there and we pray peacefully, and, and we see the people going by in their cars, because you're on a public sidewalk and people see you, and there's three different reactions. And I'll tell you which of these three is the most troublesome. You've got the people who cheer us on. Hey, thumbs up, you know, yeah, they beep their horn, they're, they're, they're happy because they feel the same way, this child killing has to stop. Then you've got the people that are cursing at us, obviously very angry themselves. But then the most disturbing reaction of all, and the most dangerous of all, is the third group. They drive by, they look at what you're doing, they see what's going on, and there's no reaction at all. Why is that the most disturbing? Because those who are getting angry, at least they're saying this issue matters. Those who are cheering us on say, yeah, it matters, because you're getting a reaction. You're giving a reaction. It matters. It's important. Those that have no reaction whatsoever, you've got to wonder, they even realize what's going on? Are they so out of touch with what's going on? Brothers and sisters, they, they, when we have babies being killed in our midst by the thousands every day, legally, and people are celebrating it as a right, when New York a few years ago expanded access to abortion, expanded abortion, allowing it right up to birth, the pro-abortion governor and legislatures, legislator, they actually lit up the Empire State Building, in celebration of this right to kill children. If that doesn't get you angry, what, what should? The child sex trafficking that has been exposed by the recent movie, Sound of Freedom, or the constant attacks on America that we see coming from the Democrat Party, the open border, the fentanyl, pouring into our nation and killing, killing tens of thousands of people, the, the, um, uh, the, the gangs, the crime, defunding of the police, all the things. If these things don't get us angry, there's something wrong, there's something not healthy. It's insane not to get angry. And, and to think that we're not supposed to, well, like we already said, that's simply not human. But brothers and sisters, do not let your anger get turned in on yourself. Because you know what that leads to? Instead of leading to the good action and the strength that we need to sustain the sacrifices that have to be made to make a change in our nation, we end up doing nothing because the anger turned in on ourselves turns into discouragement and depression and inactivity. We want just the opposite dynamic. God wants just the opposite dynamic. And that's what happens when we turn to prayer. That's what happens as we mentioned in uh, Paul saying to the Ephesians, and that's 425, by the way, Ephesians 
Be angry, but do not sin. We bring it to prayer. We ask the Lord to help us. You know, Newt Gingrich, back in December of 2020, you all know where we were at that time, going through those, uh, those weeks after the 2020 election with all the confusion and, uh, and discord that was mounting during those days, wrote an article. I've got the whole thing here. And I just want to focus on something that he said. Now, here's the, he was you know, elected in 1994, the Reagan Revolution, the, the uh, Gingrich Revolution, I should say, and uh, the um, uh, Republicans retook the House after 40 years. and Historic time in our country. And so he's a respected voice in our nation and a highly experienced political leader. And he said, you know, I, uh, I've watched this resist Trump movement trying to undo the 2016 election. I've seen how people have been angered and, and then silenced when they voiced their objections and deplatformed on social media and all these other things going on. And he said here in this article, as I thought about it, I realized my anger and fear were not narrowly focused on votes. My unwillingness to relax and accept that the, uh, accept that the election grew out of a level of outrage and alienation unlike anything I had experienced in more than 60 years of involvement in public life. And he points out later in the article, and I want to point out again, tens of millions of Americans felt the very same way and still do. In fact, now, he says in the article, if Biden governs from the left, this anger and discontent will only grow, and it has. And it's justified anger. So, brothers and sisters, let's pray. Let's pray now along the lines of exactly what we have learned from seeing our Lord in these scriptures here and, 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 and from our own experience. Let's reflect on what has to be done in our own lives and ask the Lord for His protection and for His peace. Father, we turn to You praying for America. And we are angry. We know, Lord God, that we have reason to be. As we see the indoctrination of our children in schools, as we see drag queens being brought before them and, 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 and trying to confuse them about their own sexuality and, and children being mutilated because they're being told that they're not really their biological gender. Lord, this and, and, and a hundred other things, the dismembering of babies in the womb, late-term abortion, we are angry. But Lord, we, we ask you today, Number one, let us always embrace who we are as human beings made in body and soul. May we always recognize that you have made us as human, that you have given us these passions, and we are not called to snuff them out. But Lord, right now, as we acknowledge our anger, we bring it before you, not asking you to take it away, asking you to direct it. We want the energy, Lord, that comes from this proper, healthy, human, sane response to the tremendous, unspeakable evils that are going on around us. Lord, we thank you that we are healthy enough to see it, honest enough to face it, sane enough to connect the dots and to be angry. So, Lord, 
We thank you for the energy that that brings us. Direct us to using it for good. Never to lead us into hatred. Certainly never to lead us into violence. Always to lead us to do more good. To sustain more sacrifices. To withstand more suffering and inconvenience on our part in order to carry out the good into the world and into our society. Lord, we thank you. Send your Holy Spirit right now upon every corner of our spirit and every square inch of our body. Send your Holy Spirit. Embrace us tightly, Lord God, that we may always, always, whether happy or angry or, or somewhere in between, that we may always be guided by your truth, by your spirit, by your love, Enable us to have the strength to do what needs to be done to save our nation. We ask all this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And let's pray as he taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil, for the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, friends, I hope that was helpful. Pass this along because certainly we're all in the same boat when it comes to this. Thank you for watching. Connect with me on social media. That's at FR Frank Pavone. Let me put it here on the board. At FR Frank Pavone on all the major platforms. We want to stay connected. We want to encourage one another constantly. And Let's do that. Thank you also to Right Side Broadcasting Network. Spread the word about our program. And God bless you all. We will talk to you soon. Hello, I'm Evangelist Alveda King with Priest for Life. The great issues of social justice, civil rights, and pro-life in our nation have made progress when citizens take their convictions into the voting booth. It's not enough simply to believe or speak about what is right. We have to elect lawmakers who will pass the right laws. As my uncle, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, the law can't make my brother love me, but it can stop him from lynching me. Making laws and changing hearts go hand in hand. When people's hearts and minds are changed, they will elect people who will change laws and court decisions. So dear friends, if you're not yet registered to vote, please register today. And when you do go into that polling place, please vote pro-life. Hello, this is Father David Begany, one of the many members of Priests for Life. This organization is one of the largest and most visible pro-life ministries in the world. Priest, the Priests for Life team relies on your financial support to be able to do its work, produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priests for Life generously? Go today to ProLifeGift.org and give us as generous a gift as you can. Thank you for your kindness and be assured of our prayers for you every day. Priests for Life, saving lives for over 30 years. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. 
To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.